Hi everyone, welcome back. This is Teach English in China podcast, and this is part two of the Chinese culture and conventions、uh, topic. So, if you listen to the previous episode,、uh, we discussed several cultural aspects and dimensions, including the Chinese language, religions, and Chinese medicine. This episode will continue with a few more cultures and conventions that may affect your life and work here, which are the collectivism culture, food, dating, and marriage. So the first one, the collectivism culture. This was an idea proposed by the Dutch psychologist Hofstede, which I think can be very interesting and useful in guiding your daily lives. Here in China, so usually the term collectivism is discussed in relation to individualism. If you're not familiar with these terms,、uh, basically people from the collectivism culture feel that they are part of the a group, and those from individualism culture consider themselves as distinct individual persons. So today、uh, I'll continue my conversation with August, and、uh, if you remember that、uh, he actually mentioned this、uh, early on in the last episode, and、uh, we'll get to some specific examples in in this episode as well. So what Hofstad did was giving scores to various countries on the cultural dimensions he identifies. For example, if you are from the United States,、uh, do you think the individualism score would be higher or lower than that of China's? I think you have guessed that is higher, and that's correct. So, according to Hofstede's website,、uh, which I'll leave a link uh, on the、uh, my site. So, United States scores ninety-one on this dimension, and China only twenty. And for the UK, it's eighty-nine, very close to that of the US. So, let's continue to、uh, discuss with August about his take on、um, uh, the experience uh, in in this、uh, cultural difference. So, August.、Uh, Were you aware that China was a collectivism culture before you got here?、Uh, yes, I, I was. And do you remember how you got to know this? I think simply by reading a lot and uh, um, reading a lot about、uh, China before I got here. It's just、uh, something that、uh, I wanted to know about the country that I was living in or was going to be living in. So、uh, I. Decided that it would be good to find out as much as I could, just to kind of offset any potential culture shock that I'd be dealing with. Okay, so so have you noticed any specific behaviors in your Chinese colleagues and students that are affected by this collectivism culture? Well, yeah, I, I would say so that. The, Students、um, tend to identify with their class, 
the group of students that they are um, take all their classes with much more so than say in the U.S. So I think that's uh, one factor that uh, makes it quite noticeable, at least in education. Well, what about your colleagues? Is there anything that you you notice? Um, for that one, um, maybe that's more in general the sense that uh, people in China, Chinese people, tend to uh, identify with their country more. And I mean, patriotism is definitely a part of that. But there's a lot of Americans who are very patriotic, and uh, I think it plays out a little differently uh, in uh, in China versus the the US. Okay, so you talked about that uh Chinese people and uh American uh the 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 sentiment of nationalism uh, play out differently. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes, it, to me, it seems like in the U.S., a person might be very nationalistic or patriotic, and if you disagree with that, they might, you know, take issue with your different opinion and think you're wrong. But in China, it seems more like the if you are uh, you criticize someone's nationalism or you know the the country they take it almost personally in that it's as if you're criticizing part of their extended family so it's not just that your view is wrong it's that you uh, may have offended them personally by having that opinion so, uh, when this is translated into our daily life, would you say that it's better not to uh, discuss with with your students, especially about um, anything that that may make them feel that you're criticizing the country? Oh, uh, definitely. I think it's just best to avoid those things and. I mean, it's not really what most uh, foreign teachers, English teachers in China, are tasked with teaching anyway. So and there could be some uh, question, regardless of whether it was acceptable or not, that uh, that it's whether it's the responsibility of foreign teachers who are teaching. A language in another country to discuss the politics of the country that they're living in. I mean, I don't think that if I were learning Spanish from a uh, teacher from Mexico or Spain in the U.S. that I would expect them to discuss U.S. politics in a Spanish class unless that was the topic of the class. Yeah, I think that's definitely a good idea. Actually, um, I've come across some foreign teachers here that they uh, they feel <laughs> they feel quite frustrated because when they try to uh, when they try to <laughs> talk to the students about um, 
beliefs they have in terms of uh, this uh, being a individualist or being a collectivist. Uh, what some of these teachers from uh, individualism culture feel that that this that their individualism culture is more superior, and therefore they sometimes I think they try to. Convince their students that this is true, and and but but then、uh, the students <laughs> don't seem to accept it, and therefore there's there could be some kind kind of conflicts, and it's making everybody unhappy.、Um, so yeah, I agree. I think it's best to avoid that. So、uh, when. If a conflict、um, does happen、uh, over some work or a personal matter that、uh, that's due to this、uh, collectivism、uh, versus individualism culture,、uh, how do you deal with it? Can you, if you can give me an example, that'd be great. Well, one example was that several times that、uh, in a class I would have a、uh, one or two students who was. Uh, looking like that they're going to fail or not do very well, and I would notice that the other students, especially some of the hardworking or better students, would be particularly concerned about this student being able to pass, regardless of whether he or she was their friend or anything like that. And that really just shocked me、uh, quite a bit because I'd imagine in a U.S. context the Um, the better students would、uh, certainly not speak up for some of the worst students.、Uh, so it seemed that the、uh, students in the class in China would all be concerned about their classmates passing, whether or not they were hardworking students or not, whether or not they were doing well or、um, not doing so well in the class, and. I just attributed that to a more collectivist mentality, as like we're all in this together.、Uh, so,、um, but in, in that sense, I I found it difficult to compromise too much if a student's failing, they're failing, and、uh, it can't just give them a grade based on what the class wants them、uh, to. To receive, so I mean, it's one of those instances that、uh, you, you know, you compromise where you can, but in certain areas, it's、uh, it's difficult to do that all the time. Yeah, it, it, this it's、uh, it's hard to find a balance, but I, I think the.、Uh, Like you said, the the best way to approach it is that first of all, give it an understanding of the difference and be aware of why you know your your colleagues and students behave and and think the way they do. And、uh, as we said,、uh, you you compromise when it doesn't have any、um, if it doesn't affect any integrity of your work. All right, so that's、uh, the collectivism culture, and、uh, as I said,、uh, it's very interesting. You can read more on the Hofstede's、um, website, and I, I believe that'll really give you a much better understanding.
of things. Right, so another very important part of the culture is food. And after all, we have to deal with this several times a day and every day. And it's a very big part of our lives. And um, I'm sure it's uh, for you too. So um, what do you know about Chinese food and dining conventions? And maybe to some of you, the greatest the greatest extent uh, that you've been dealing with Chinese food is eating at a Chinese restaurant in your own country. But that does not really give you much idea of how it is in China, uh, since food, cooking methods, and eating conventions in these Chinese restaurants have been adapted to meet the local people's tastes and requirements over the past decades and possibly centuries. And so, so uh, by saying this, I'm not giving value judgment to either type. Which one's better off or worse is just different um, after its own evolution in different places. So anyway, Chinese food uh, has been the reason to draw uh, some expats to China and also the reason to drive them away. So let, let, let's uh, hear uh, what August has to say about food and eating in China. So August, what is the most noticeable difference between uh, typical Chinese food and typical American food to you? Well, I think that the Chinese food is more mixed together uh, rather than at least American food that we have uh, a main dish or any sides separate. Um, and also the percentage of the dish that's meat is usually significantly less than uh, uh, we would expect in an American meal. So I think those are two rather large differences. Yeah, so uh, in China, yeah, I think there's a lot of meat, but not not as much as uh, in the U.S. at least. Um, so what about uh, dining conventions and etiquette, uh, whether it's you eating alone in a restaurant or you're eating with other people um, in in the public area or at uh, in a house. What are some uh, things that you should observe? Well, I definitely think that um, dining with other people, there's a, a couple of big differences. Uh, first off, uh, if you're at a restaurant, one person orders for everyone. And they might ask about your preferences, but they're going to order. And most likely, they're the person that invited everyone to dinner, and then they'll pay. So there's not so much of the uh, splitting the bill or going Dutch um, when Chinese people go out to eat. And the other uh, factor that uh, still bothers me after all these years is that uh, there's communal dishes. Almost every dish is uh, uh, put in the center of the table, and everyone can take um, 
little pieces or a little bit and put it on their personal plate. But uh, the normal practice, at least uh, in the city that I'm in, is that everyone uses the chopsticks that they're eating with, that they put into their mouth, to go into the shared bowl or plate uh, rather than having some spoons or an extra set of chopsticks that uh, the person uses to put that on their plate. And to me, that is something that I still haven't quite gotten used to, although for some people, uh, they might not care, it might not bother them. So, But I think that is a rather noticeable difference. <laughs> so... so... Uh, yeah, I, I can understand how it may bother a lot of people. So uh, what's your strategy <laughs> for dealing with that situation <laughs> when you do have to eat uh, with a lot of people on the same table? Well, simply grab as much <laughs> food as you can, as quick as you can, um, and put it on your plate, and then... Um, just uh, don't expect to be able to eat that much, I guess. <laughs> or you can you can pick the pieces that are like more uh, like they're like individual pieces, right? As opposed to like soup or or something with the stew that is uh, <laughs> with a lot of liquid. Yeah, yeah, those I would definitely avoid. Okay. So um, you mentioned that uh, when you eat together with a lot of people, a lot of times that one person orders for the whole party. So w what about um, if, if, if your input is not solicited and uh, that there's a lot of dishes you don't like to eat, but the host wants you to eat, um, what, what, uh, what, what do you do to uh, avoid upsetting your host? Well, I think the best strategy is to just still take a little bit and eat a little bit and constantly be eating slowly because if you don't eat or don't take any food, that definitely appears rude. If you eat a bit and then stop, it seems the convention in China is to possibly give the person more food in anticipation of them you know not taking it themselves or not feeling comfortable taking it so the way the best way to mitigate both of those um potential problems is to just slowly take a little bit of food and uh, and at least make the effort to eat a little bit <laughs> yeah I think that that's uh, that's the way Chinese people or Chinese hosts to, to show hos, uh, hospi hosti hospitality <laughs> to you, so they keep giving you food. All right. So uh, another important aspect of food is uh, our comfort food, and I think every one of us has some sort of comfort food that we crave uh, at times, if we're not staying in our hometown or home country. So, uh, August, what are some comfort food that you crave but uh, cannot get uh, in China at the moment? 
Well, I don't have many, but just one thing that comes to mind is bagels. And you can get bread uh, in China, but uh, bagels seem hard to, hard to come by, at least uh, uh, in the city that I'm in. So that's one thing I miss. <laughs> yeah, this uh, bread or uh, pastry stuff, it, it's becoming more and more popular. But uh, I think for now, most uh, shops still just have um, pastries that are a little bit rich, on the rich side, I think, a lot of, maybe a little bit more sugar and, and uh, oil, as opposed to some um, basic type of bread, uh, like sourdough or ciabatta <laughs> uh, or, uh, or bagels, like August said. But... Um, I'd imagine as the demand um, grows, it may become a thing. But uh, yeah, at the moment, they're not so readily available yet. Uh, what about other food, some American food? Uh, how available are they in, in the city? I think a lot of uh, basic American food... Uh, if, uh, pizzas or if you want to make um, uh, just pasta, things like that, you won't be able to get the uh, varieties of those th things that you can get at an average uh, U.S. Uh, grocery store, but you can get them and you can even get uh, a frozen pizza that you can put in a microwave or an oven. Uh, so I think uh, it's, at least in the city that I'm in, it's gotten better over the past five to ten years. Um, whereas uh, when I first got here, um, the you could get those places, but, I mean, those, uh, the, those food, but you would have to go to some very specific place. It may not be that convenient uh, to get to, but I think it's becoming more readily available as more... Chinese uh, start to eat food like that, especially um, the younger generation. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, it, like I mentioned in, in a previous episode that uh, with the e-commerce and uh, a lot of things are available already in China, especially if we're talking about food uh, if there are certain foods that you cannot get from a restaurant, so you can, and if you're into cooking, uh, or uh, you you know you just want to eat something that you crave so much, it's it's very conceivable that you can buy all the ingredients and try to, you know, make it from scratch by yourself, following some recipe, and uh, I think a lot of ingredients are available in China now that. Even if you cannot buy buy them in a supermarket or some stores, but you can order them online. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's becoming less and less of an issue um, uh, for foreigners living in China in terms of being able to get the food that they want. So last question about food: <laughs> If you were to leave or stay in China, would uh, food be one of the main factors? Well, probably not for me personally, because food isn't a, a 
as important to me as it is for some other people. But even if it were, I think with the availability of a lot of Western food and just uh, adapting to certain uh, types of Chinese food, uh, I, I think that wouldn't necessarily be that big of an issue. I mean, it, it can depend uh, how much you like Chinese food, and s some people can just not eat any kind of Western food, and, but uh, I think uh, that wouldn't be an issue for me. All right, great. Alright, the last topic for this episode is something that I think many of you are interested in, which is dating and marriage. Actually, uh, many expats I've come across here in the past few years have been involved in either dating or marriage or both <laughs> while they are here. And there have been lots of happiness and heartbreaks along the way. If you've been listening to the previous episodes from my podcast, you might be able to guess why the happiness and why the heartbreaks. That's right. Uh, individuals' knowledge in their partner's culture and the ability to adapt to it would make the big difference. If you don't have the ability to adapt, at least being aware of why the culture is thus would help a lot already. So, first of all, mixed marriages are widely accepted by most Chinese families, uh, at least the, the Han minority, uh, I mean majority, <laughs> living in the city. So you would most likely not run into any difficulties posed by your partners, your Chinese partner's family. Uh, actually, a lot of Chinese people like uh, kids of mixed races, uh, presumably because of their exotic looks. However, there could be many sources of conflict if you're not aware of certain cultural traits and practices. First thing, before you ask anyone out, ask yourself one question. Do you feel that you could have or want to have a serious relationship with her or him? This is very important because most Chinese people treat dating more seriously and with more commitment for further development in their relationship. So think again and again before you approach anyone. Um, a few years ago, I was dragged into a somewhat serious conflict of this nature. This American man I knew was dating a Chinese woman, and he did not have any long-term plans, I think, but the woman took it very differently. She thought he could marry her because she was not a young lady already at the time. And after a few months of dating, she must have found this out and was so upset and uh, she called me to talk about it. And despite my efforts in explaining to her the cultural differences and all that, uh, she must have been still extremely upset and so that she threatened uh, this American man with an accusation of rape. So fortunately, she did not actually do it in the end, but you can imagine how bad the situation could have been if she had. So if you are married or um, 
have settled down for a steady or known relationship with a Chinese person, another source of conflict could be from your Chinese partner's family or relatives. They may ask to stay over for a few days、uh, if you're there in town, or simply want to visit their daughter or niece. Uh, Uh, in the last-minute notice or zero-minute notice,、um, because I, I think this goes back to the previous topic of、uh, collectivism, collectivism culture in China, where a lot of family, especially older generation, they feel that they they are、uh, they are they are entitled to manage everybody else、uh, in the family and and. They they、uh, don't need to、um, treat them as、uh, distant individuals. Anyway, also they may ask to borrow money from you because you are considered part of the family too, and family members are supposed to help out、uh, with one another like that. I think this can be interpreted from cultural and societal angles. Culturally, as we mentioned just now, Chinese are collectivism-oriented, and family is a collective identity. And from the society angle,、uh, China has actually only recently been stepping away from the practice that the nuclear family and the extended families were your social security, because、uh, social welfare system was not in place before. So helping each other out was the only way to survive for most families and most、uh, individuals. Anyway, this is becoming less prominent, but、uh, can still be there more or less,、um, depending on what kind of family you run into. Along the same line of this cultural dimension is the aspect of personal space. As many of you listeners are probably from more individualism cultures, your society has conditioned you to think that you you need more personal space or privacy, even from your family members or your spouse, and this could become an issue if you are with a Chinese. They, on the contrary, feel that you are supposed to be a collective. Collective entity, and should not keep anything from your loved ones. So make sure you talk about this with your potential partner from the beginning.、Uh, if you absolutely need your own privacy,、uh, sometimes. But uh, there's uh, there's still a lot more to talk about.、Um, But、uh, in terms of cultures and conventions, but these、uh, are a few that I think are good for you to start looking into、uh, as a start. So,、uh, at the end of this podcast,、um, I again give you a question to think about, and that is: Have you heard any of the cultural, any of these、uh, cultural phenomena before? The three uh, that I uh, listed in this episode. If not, do you think that you would feel uncomfortable 
if you were to be around people from this type of culture. And how long do you think you'll be able to get over the shock? All right. Thanks for listening. You can leave me a message on Anchor FM and let me know what you think. And I look forward to reading some of your answers.